The Song Confessional Podcast is a co-production of KUT, KUTX Studios, and Good Taste Society. Interview. 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 Well, who am I sitting in here with? Andrew Cashin. And Sabrina Ellis. And uh, how might how might people know you? Uh, giant Dog. Mm-hmm. Sweet Spirit. Kashandra. <laughs> Is this the first uh, song that y'all have ever put out together that's not in either of those bands? Mm, no. Released? Published? I think so. Yeah? We've had to... We've made some things together that are unreleased, like the Kit Kat thing. <laughs> yeah. You want to hear that? Oh, no. <laughs> I haven't listened to that in a while. What was the Kit Kat thing for? A Kit Kat commercial. Uh, we got an opportunity to do and got passed on. Ooh. We demoed for a Kit Kat. And, and you got, it got and passed on. Yeah. Rejected. But yeah. we did we did like what twenty different versions or something like that. We did a few. Yeah, I think we did three. Probably felt like. 20. But like, well, yeah, it was like three, but like with a bunch of edits. Like, here's a thirty second version. Here's a minute version. Here's. Hang on one second. Here's. Um, that was a a dumb plant because I obviously have known you guys for a very long time, like a really long time. Like, I think I met you, Andrew, when I was 16 years old. Yes. So I have known you and known you as a musician for like over half my life. Yeah. That's crazy. How long have y'all known each other? Since we About were 16. Time. Yeah. You went to high school together. Mm. Me and Sabrina used to hang out at Java Jazz back in the day. Mm-hmm. Java Jazz, North Houston hub of... Um, Creativity. High art culture. Yeah. It's, but, okay, so, but for people who aren't from Houston, that is a venue in North Houston. Is it still uh, a no, venue? No, I think it went under. Oh, it's not there anymore. Yeah. Okay, but when we were growing up. Yeah. Yes, okay. it was a Christian-owned venue. Yes, they no alcohol. They would give us um, sugary, like, syrup drinks that were called smoothies, but they were more like yeah. 7-Eleven slushies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we pour beverages, adult beverages into those. Yeah. Oh, y'all would do that. Y'all were, uh, you were pouring booze. Mm. Maybe it's because I was driving from like inside Houston, but we didn't, we didn't get drunk at Java Jazz. Yeah. Yeah. That would be risky. I guess we were North Houston people. Mm. One time I thought it would be generous of me to, um, feature my cleavage in a flyer for one of their shows and their band was called we beasties so we had sharpie yeah Mm -hmm. we had sharpie we beasties onto my (laughs) cleavage my underage cleavage jesus and we had photographed it and printed it on flyers and handed it out and then um it was a great show everybody had a great time and then the next day was kind of a tech rehearsal for little shop of horrors that i was in and um, I was in the dressing room with my mom. She was helping me change into my Audrey costume, mm-hmm. which involved a lot of cleavage. And I obliviously Under-aged just... cleavage. <laughs> I, th- 
Come on, y'all. I just got done watching Euphoria. It's like, yeah. I know those actors are all about 30, but yeah. that's a lot of underage ass. Yeah, that's true. Imp- totally. And I, I had that same thought. Yeah. <laughs> so I threw off my underage shirt <laughs> and my mom goes, hmm, we beasties. That's lovely. I hope that's not a tattoo. <laughs> that was it, though. Yeah. yeah. Did, did she see the flyer? No, I didn't explain to her that it was for art's sake. Mm-hmm. And also, this is before the internet was like, yeah, literally, yeah. we went to Kinko's and. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember. Yeah. yeah. But so y'all met, y'all met in high school mm-hmm. and you formed your first band then? You started writing together then? We weren't writing. No. Uh, I think musically, the first thing we did was a homecoming was it homecoming dance we we played a couple um like smaller dances like orchestra banquets to gear up for the homecoming dance yeah and um we dressed kind of like mighty mighty boss tones meets no doubt yeah but we played um kind of most of the soundtrack of back to the future was kind of our axis yeah of our taste which we thought the kids would love Mm -hmm. (laughs) didn't love no no, no, no. <laughs> All the chaperones who were like way in the back were just like, hell yeah. Like, yeah. I love Joan Jett. And all the kids in front were just like, when's a DJ coming on? Like, <laughs> there were a few like theater kids who were just like, this is my shit. Yeah. But. And so what were we all performing now? Do you remember the name of the band? Yeah. What was it? Youth in Asia. Oh my God. I remember. But if you said that, yeah. I get to play our Kit Kat song now. Okay. Okay, play it. I don't know what, what this what sounds version? like anymore. Yeah, I think it's really short, so. New Kit Kat things, the creamy and crispy, they're just like Kit Kats and they are thin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Try one more time, because it didn't really get the beginning. New Kit Kat thins, the creamy and crispy, they're just like Kit Kats and they are thin. <laughs> yep. I didn't write That's those lyrics. I can't take credit. You yeah. didn't write those lyrics? Mm-hmm. No, they had something very specific that they wanted. Uh, like Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Type. I've done I've done some some work on ad shit like that. Mm-hmm. And it's always uh hyper specific, seems terrible. Like what they actually want. Yeah. But sometimes when you do it, it's exactly what it's, they want and exactly they pay you they money. They pay a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Me, do you know uh, Bobby from Whiskey Shivers? Mm. Yes. He, so so basically we've done stuff for this German ad agency. It's really random, but we both got hit up. And right when the pandemic was starting, he like came to my old space and we were like stood across the room from each other. You know, I like set up the mic and we like, well, like just didn't know, you know, and we did it. And he literally had to say, yeehaw, Mercedes, Mercedes, yeehaw, like sing it yeah. over this insane track. And we did That's it. Awesome. And then like <laughs> three days later, I mean, it literally was that Mercedes. Beat. It was that Mercedes, yeehaw. <laughs> I'll show you the ad after. You'll laugh because it's a lot oh, yeah. like that. 
But no, we did it, and then like within three days, things were so fucking terrifying. Everything shut down, mm-hmm. and then he just came in because here because he did that. I th- well, I'm confused. It was right at the beginning. We did it, and then that's what got kicked terrifying. off the pandemic. Well, is that just shitty came. Mercedes commercial. <laughs> I think so because he just came here, and we did another one. I was like, man, what did we just bookend the pandemic? Is this is this the end of it? It was the same thing. Yeah, same client. He was doing like a vocal ID, like the McDonald's thing, you know, like ba da ba ba ba, but it's for. For Lay's potato chips. Mm-hmm. Potato chips. Oh no, it's just boo boo doo boo or something like that. I can't remember right. If I listen to it, I'm gonna hear it like in my a head doink, all day. Doink. You know what's really gonna sell fried potatoes? A do 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 do. I mean, kind of. It literally sounds just like that, and they yeah. wanted him to do it like really hokey and you know country sounding, but yeah. Uh, you just played the Kit Kat, so y'all got passed over for the Kit Kat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. But okay, so here's what I want to know: When did you write your first song together? Like, what was the first song, that, or first time you remember writing? Mm-hmm. And how did you? So you're playing in this band, Euthanasia. You're doing covers. Mm-hmm. When did y'all like figure out that and you could write? Other together? members of the band. So it was me and Andrew, and then um, I don't know if you know Jason Smith. He Sounds was in familiar. OBN Threes, and he plays in with TV's, TV's Daniel. Daniel now. Mm-hmm. Great guitar player and. And then on drums was Orville, who was our first drummer in a giant dog wall. Yeah, Basically. effectively so. Yeah. And um, when did we write our first song together? That was that happened in Austin when we were already about 20. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like 2008. Yeah. I had moved to Austin, and Andrew was coming and going a lot and still living in Houston. And I had, um, I had started writing some songs by myself with an acoustic guitar and was recording them onto a tape deck. And Andrew was writing songs in Houston with his band, Electric Shoes. Yeah. And my friend, our friend Olick, um, was on a trip to see me and ended up taking one of my tapes back to Andrew, I think. And then... Andrew's like, oh, I didn't realize you were writing. We should try to write together. And then we ended up, like, getting drunk and exchanging songs. And then it just happened more and more frequently. And at that time, I remember that the OCs were touring through a lot. Like, they were just hustling, and Ty Siegel was opening for them as a one-person band. Mm -hmm. I remember that kind of framing the experience like going to see this young Ty that was like our age being like, Oh cool. This is playing on the floor at Beerland. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. strange boys. Yeah. We're playing. Used to go see black Joe Lewis at continental. Black Joe Lewis. Mm-hmm. What's the do, different answer probably for both of you, but what's the first thing you remember writing that you were like, this is good. I like this. I think it was a song called down and out. Yeah. Yeah. That one was the first one that felt like appealing. Yeah, something that people besides us might like. It made one of our friends cry when we played it for him. Wow. Like you played it for him at a show? Oh. No, in a studio. Mm. And he cried. Mm Mm-hmm. Damn. And we were young to be crying in front of each other. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah, totally. Your walls are up. You're like... Yeah. You like emotional music. You both like it, but you don't cry. Yeah. You don't cry with each other. Um, 
Man, because I think the thing that's fascinating and I, something I'm curious about is you guys have two bands together. Why? Like, why not just one band? You sound like somebody from a record label right now. <laughs> why? No no, 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 I think it's awesome because I, I hear the difference. You yeah, know, I mean, for I sure. But some I'm just of curious. It's writing partners. You the know? answer could be about maturity and evolving into vulnerability because I know that in a way, you know, I, I don't like live in regret ever. But I do have times of my life being kind of an admin person for both of the bands where I wish that I had one band, Mm -hmm. where I wish that we had had the more maturity and vulnerability and wherewithal to evolve into playing more of a spectrum of music together in one group. That, I mean, it would make things a lot easier. It'd be easier to explain we see plenty of bands who have done it, but we were in a phase of life where we started a giant dog in our early 20s. We started Sweet Spirit in our latter 20s. And a giant dog wouldn't have played the songs we were writing for Sweet Spirit. They just flat out, like we never asked them to. It, it would never have been brought to the table there. And I think for me, it was like, yeah, at that time we were playing punk clubs with punk bands people were throwing beer on us mm-hmm. and then these songs i just i couldn't picture i couldn't picture playing in the same clubs i couldn't yeah. picture having that experience be the same thing mm-hmm. which is it kind of has like evolved into that like yeah the two shows are there is a little bit of crossover crowd wise but like mm-hmm. there's people that come up to me that are just like really like a giant dog not so much sweet spirit or the opposite <laughs> of like i really like sweet spirit giant dog's not my thing and i'm like that's great yeah like you're allowed to have yeah you know, your like musical both. taste is fine well and they are really different I, I guess um i think it's uh fascinating that as writing partners you write for two different projects and there are some members who are the same like it it, it, it could see merging and i definitely get what you meant what you mean by when you're early 20s you know you're in one kind of band and then now you have two because you're in two different places but I think it's cool that y'all are that versatile. I'm like fascinated that y'all are able to do that with each other. What's the secret? <laughs> like how, how, I guess it's been what, like 15 years since you started writing together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. What's the key to longevity for the two of you? I don't know. I think I'm kind of a pushover and that's why we've lasted as long as we have. <laughs> <sighs> I'm really trying to evolve out of that. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I talked to that band Chick Chick Chick. They've been a band for like almost 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how have you stayed a band this long? And he was like, well, we get a new member every like three years or so. And, he's and that's like, pretty he's common. Like, he's like, we're basically just a different band. Yeah. But we get to play the same songs because it's like the core. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's such an honest answer <laughs> and a real answer, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. And not something you think about when you're like 16 and playing in bands. You're like, oh, I'm going to start a band and it's going to be the same band forever. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're going to get new members in. I mean, I imagine for you guys too, it's like part of the reason that you have written together for so long is that you just keep doing it. Yeah. You know, there's not some sort of like overarching big reason why it does it not. So you just keep doing it. It's yeah. Like a lot of I've heard stuff. somebody else say that 
like in an interview of like, yeah, how have you guys been a band for so long? And they're just like, we just didn't stop. We just didn't <laughs> like that's quit. the secret. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When other bands are broke and mm-hmm. life seems like it's not in the right place to have a band, they stop. Yeah. <laughs> what what is what is the the next or the latest for like a giant dog? Are y'all working on something? Are you going on tour? We've got a an album written. We've done demos. Um, we're just waiting to record. There's some factors involved. Mm-hmm. But it'd be our fifth um, studio album. Damn. And of original material of original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it uh, is conceptual. And I'm excited about it. It's it's artistically something that. I had always hoped to do um, because it stylistically swings a little toward metal. It's just kind of something that I w- always hoped that I would do and never thought I would. And when I say I, I mean we, but I mean as a vocalist, mm-hmm. it's kind of a genre that I felt was pretty out of my range mm-hmm. and kind of looked toward as a fantasy. And now we're going to attempt it. So I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, it's very <laughs> theatrical. Cool. What about for Sweet Spirit? Um, just playing gigs. I guess we could try to write some more songs. Yeah, because uh, y'all put a record out during the pandemic, like yeah. in May, yeah. May twenty twenty. Yeah. So I guess theoretically you could still tour on that or something. I don't know. Theoretically, no. but we've been sitting yeah. on those songs for so long, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. So. A year ago, we did this. You guys came and you did this artist in residence program, and we were just kind of drunk in robes for a couple of days. So I remember it's been a minute since then. Mm-hmm. Does it feel any different now, like reapproaching your projects than it did a year ago? Mm, not Cause really. Because I, I feel like at the time it was sort of like the end of a break, is how it sort of felt. It. I mean, it did. It brought me and Andrew back together for writing for the first time in about a year because the previous year we had been writing our A Giant Dog album. Mm -hmm. And I think writing the A Giant Dog album... both inspired and taxed us. Mm-hmm. Um, we were also simultaneously trying to write a TV show that's attached with this concept album, wow. which we had never yeah. done before. Whoa. We were just like elbow deep in it, in this world, um, artistically together, and then we separated for a bit, and then you brought us back together at the hotel, and I feel like the way we wrote at the hotel honestly reminded me a lot more of how we're used to writing together than when we were just really honing in on this concept Mm -hmm. because we were we were honing in on the concept we were pouring over each and every lyric we were trying to make it the best thing we've ever written every little part of it was like meticulously thought out Mm -hmm. from the song titles to the the order of the songs yeah yeah. do you want to tell us what the concept is you can say no but no I don't think it's not time. It's too soon. It's, yeah. it's too soon. It's too soon. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
but we can say it's a dystopian, not so distant future. About virtual reality. Virtual reality. Sick. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Um, what do you what do you remember about this confession? What was this confession about? That inspired your song? The thing that I remember or liked the most about it was getting the dude to do it. Cause he had he had almost passed. Ah. Oh shit, that's right. So you yeah. guys were out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, which was fun. Okay. It was fun trying to get people like to stop and mm-hmm. I didn't know art other artists didn't do that. Th- no, definitely not. Yeah. I had no. a blast. Man, I totally forgot about this. So so my just I want you to answer your question, but that was the first day I had drank in two months. Mm-hmm. Was the night before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh I just like really needed a break. That and... explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I drank the night before and I woke up the day we had the trailer out there. I was like, oh God, this is this is the worst. It felt like the worst hangover of my life because I hadn't had one in yeah, you know, Aww. six to eight months and I'd only had a few drinks and it was like, oh my God. Yeah. So that's right. I was in there. Y'all were out there trying to get people to do it. Yeah. We were hawking. Yeah. I, want, you, I wanted some juicy stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, so what was the confession? What was the, well, uh, the story? So he walks by in silky pants that have M- two MC cans. hammer pants? Yeah. They're hammer pants <laughs> with two cans all over them. Yeah. Tivas, a tucked in shirt, a little purse on a chain. And, and we pitch. We pitch to yeah. him as he's walking by of just like, hey, this is what it is. Yeah. Like, and he says, oh, I wish I had time because if I, if I did, I'd stop in and tell you about how I jacked off a priest in the Vatican when I was a teenager. And this is, this is as he's Not like, a minor, but you know. Yeah, this yeah. is as his boyfriend's like dragging him away <laughs> to do whatever errand they needed to do. Uh-huh. And his boyfriend was just like, we don't have time. And we like, all We go, do not have time. We all go, Stop! Stop! Turn around! Like, please! Yeah. Wow. And yeah, through our enthusiasm, he's like, "Okay, I'll do it." Like, yeah, yeah. kind of, just kind of. uh, uh, Let me get this over with. Like, I'll humor you. Yeah. Yeah. Then went in. Not to say everybody else's like confessions weren't. There were other good ones, but we could tell that 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 dude that little statement it was like it's gonna be good it's amazing we were gonna write a song about it even if he didn't stop and give a confession like i was gonna ask you that because i as i recall you you kind of had a choice of which one you wanted to do and y'all chose this one which felt totally in that you were gonna write a song about it either way (laughs) yeah i think like two more people came in and gave confessions and i just was sitting there like i didn't even hear the confession but i was like we're gonna do that one like yeah yeah. The one about the one where that that person was saying that they you know, like drowned a kitten when they were a child. I don't remember that one. I vaguely remember. It was that. just too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really dark too. Yeah. But that, they drowned a kitten? <laughs> Excuse me. I might be mixing this up with the podcasts I've been listening to. Yeah, I don't remember it either, but (laughs) yeah, they were um, curious of what it felt like to feel the light go out in the body of a living. (laughs) So we might have had like a psychopath in these 
I sessions. Don't think that happened. I don't think we got a confession <laughs> from someone who did that. <laughs> I think if that happened, then wouldn't you like lock the door to the trailer and call the cops? Like, probably should. Or call a private know. eye? <laughs> well, I was confused about it because they said it was actually. They said actually that it was their um, imaginary friend that did it, oh. not them. Oh my god, uh, that's terrifying. Must have been too hungover to uh, no, to alert the authorities right away, because that's like you know, sadistic behavior from a child. Apparently, yeah. that's pretty uh, a straight line to being a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Well, there we go. <laughs> Oops, had fucking Dexter in there, man. There was a guy, well, I shouldn't say this. We've had a few things because now there's the permanent booth. Mm-hmm. So people go in, they go to the hotel, they Ooh. go in there and they're they're not talking to anyone. And so they come in and give like a real confession, but they don't really elaborate, you know, because mm-hmm. it's not like you're, you're not talking there to, to someone. Prod. Yeah. And man, it really feels like People have told us a few things where it's like, Ugh, yeah, that's illegal yeah. and not the in a funny sex, way, drugs and rock and roll <laughs> yeah. way and the really not okay way. Um, I don't know why it just brings something else out of people when they're not. This is talking. the podcast I want to listen yeah. to. Walker. <laughs> <laughs> send me those. I will send you those. I'll also send you the people who come in and start singing. Or they think they're supposed to write the song. And they just start singing what's going on with their day. Those people are pretty amazing. killed a cat. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to get the FBI knocking on your door, man. Like, you're going to need to hand over all those tapes. Like, Like I have their email address. And sometimes they even, like, tell you something they did. And then they take a photo of themselves after. Hmm? Because it's a photo, like a photo booth, too. Yeah. (laughs) You're just like, man. It's an anonymous photo booth. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh. Yeah. Well, so. This is fascinating. Yeah. It does. I think I think the thing that I've kind of learned about people that I didn't really I didn't learn this about people I just didn't really appreciate it is that everyone's walking around with like these really heavy things you know all of us are and for some people they something like this just makes them want to put it out you know yeah and so I wonder sometimes what it's like when you're not a, a, you know you don't write songs or you don't write or paint you don't have an outlet like what what is the moment where you get to talk about this in your life you don't go to church and actually confess like yeah i mean mean, maybe that's it i I don't know if i'm making any sense but i just think that's fascinating it's like oh this is just like below the surface i think people tell their bartender their Mm. hairdresser therapist but well yeah the therapist but yeah you're right people do hold on some people have like that deep dark secret yeah that they'd never tell and i think i don't know where where you store your shame is where your anger and confusion and and stress and sadness can get really out of control Mm -hmm. and they say like shining a light on a monster makes it less scary yeah, I think um, so. So it is scary to think about what would be such a deep secret that somebody couldn't, you know, say it to their partner. Yeah. Um, or their therapist. Um, yeah. Or, and even if it's not like, um, 
I mean, 99.9% of things are like totally universal. Someone else has had a similar thing. Maybe you haven't jerked off a priest, but like... Or drowned kittens. Or, or <laughs> drowned kittens, but, mm-hmm. but you can relate to the feeling of like, you know... Something that feels sexy because it's because it's bad, right? Like, I mean, that to me, the confession. That's kind of the like thing to take from it is like he figure out like, oh, all these priests are good, get on this bus and like, you know, yep. cruise. Like mm-hmm. that part's really. I, I guess it's all it says like I just think it's fascinating that people hang on to this stuff, and then something makes them want to bring it out. And sometimes in the confession, like, confessional booth, people do tell us this stuff, and I'm like damn, you're walking around at a music festival just like waiting for Mumford and Sons to go on and then you see this and you're like, actually, I want to talk about why I moved all around all the time as a kid, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that's fascinating. I I have those things too, I think, but it's just a little different when you write about it when you're an artist or something. Our subject in the trailer had no shame about his confession. He was confessing something that, you know, it sounded like something he would say to his bros or bring up in a game of I've never. Mm-hmm. And and that gave us a nice angle, I think, for composing the song because the shame element of the song was, you know, the idea of a, a priest who is this kind of anonymous character in the song mm-hmm. breaking their, you know, vow <clears throat> of abstinence. Um in front of a bunch of other priests on yeah. a bus. Like, yeah. And it, and so, <laughs> basically in the general public. Like, <laughs> And our song is about anti-shame. It's about don't be ashamed, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's hard. It's abstract for... I'll, I'll speak for myself and not for both of us, but you tell me if you agree. It's abstract for me to um, write about a religious parameter because to me that's such a construct of like that humans have put on other humans Mm -hmm. to me it's a mythology i i don't mean to disrespect people's belief in the things they live their life for but it's very abstract to me because Mm -hmm. um it doesn't determine to me it's not a basis of judgment that i ascribe to Mm -hmm. so um it was i don't know i think it's really easy for us and for our subject to be like, okay, let's do these sh- shameful things and let's say, hey, don't be ashamed. Mm-hmm. And and then we were tongue-in-cheek using the, the Christian verbiage of forgiveness, like, you know, like, do your confession, say your Hail Marys, and that really naughty thing you just did on the bus, mm-hmm. God's going to understand. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, so the, so- the song is more about the priest then? then. No. It's from the perspective of the um, student, our subject, who mm-hmm. was 18 or 19 and doing a study abroad mm-hmm. in Rome. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's him addressing the priest. Word. Okay. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense now. Also, yeah. the thing I like about the story was everything was consensual. You would think yeah, a story true. about jerking off a priest may have gotten a little dark but mm-hmm. there was nothing dark about it he was like laughing the whole time he like yeah adult yeah. human sexuality yeah yeah 
Yeah, I mean, it, you're right. It, it, he isn't ashamed at all. Right. The confessor isn't at all. And it is consensual, mm. which is partially what makes it such a fun yeah. confession and not, yeah, not dark. But if you gave a 10-second pitch about the yeah, confession, people bad. like, hey, I don't know if I want to listen to that. <laughs> yeah. Like, why, why do you think that priests, that, that men become priests, that's the other thing I think about with this confession. It's like, why do you become a priest? Well, I think that it's a calling. It's uh-huh. a deep, deep calling that might defy rationality. In, I mean, this is going to sound pretty narcissistic, but in the same way that being an artist, it really defies rationality. Like, growing up, you know that people who choose to be an artist are in for a struggle, and yeah. that if there's an easier route you'd want to take it. And I think that for someone with a spiritual calling, it's really similar. It's like, yes, I am going to make these sacrifices. Yes, I am going to give up these carnal pleasures. Um, and the, and it's because deep within my psyche and deep within the things that make me a, a human with a soul, mm-hmm. I'm called to do this. And there will be some kind of reward. Yeah. That's a nice way to think about it too, because I guess the, what I was when I asked it, what I was thinking about was why would you become a priest when your kind of sexuality is then sort of becomes this really taboo thing? You're only doing it on a bus, yeah. but but yeah. it is a really deep calling. I feel like of, that develops, and and you just sort of deal with it. Yeah. I think you just that deal with all the things who are that go along with doing it. to be a priest it. also have a really deep intellectual curiosity about mm. themselves and about the world, and I think that we can kind of compare it to like aesthetic belief systems where um, giving like to go beyond what our human perception of reality is. We do have to have this deep intellectual curiosity and this deep spiritual curiosity. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that everybody has it. I'm saying like, it seems irrational to give up so much for that, but Mm -hmm. maybe when you're not focusing on sex, you are delving further into your other intellectual capacities. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I've never tried it. Yeah. Don't want to try it. (laughs) And then the shame of sneaking around to masturbate with other men or to jack off other men. (sighs) Honestly, like, yes, it would be really painful to be closeted and hiding who one is, but there's a lot of people in this world and in this life that don't want to partner down. Like mm-hmm. for them, it's actually satisfactory to just be satiated and kind of move on from it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I think I understand what you're saying. And, and I think it is also fascinating too. like, you have this greater calling and you ha- you're getting all these other things yeah. met. Like get the that come might... out, make room for more God. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the bus driver like a said. Really weird Metallica oh album name. God, get the come out, make more room for God. That's literally perfect. Um, let me open this up. I think I I feel like I got everything I I wanted to do. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to add, whether about the confession or the song or just whatever? I want to add that I really like the song. Me too. I like what we did with it. I like the the sound of it, the production. Mm-hmm. Um, I like 
the opportunity to work scaled back with Andrew and to make something where, honestly, where I'm not struggling to sing over a whole band yeah. because I feel like it accesses a different part of my voice. And I, I love synth pop for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the song is pretty and sweet sounding mm-hmm. and, and dancey yeah. and that you don't have to know what it's about to vibe to it. Yeah, but I, I did make sure that, like, when I showed it to my mom, I told her the whole story first. Yeah. And then, because I wanted to see her reaction, so I told her the story of the confession. I told her about you. Mm-hmm. I told her about our subject. Then I played the song, and she's listening to it. And she's kind of snickering. And then on the part where it's like, your heart beat in my hand, she goes, oh, you're nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I also feel like, yeah, the production of it is bubblegum enough to where, like, if you had no idea what it was about, you'd just be like, oh, yeah. Like, it, oh, I just, agree, totally. you could just dance to it obliviously. Like, yes, I think so. The In this really beautiful way, it set the tone for the entire year for us, like the songs that came from the hotel. It's, it's the confession, I think, was really good. And you guys turned it into something that, yeah, you don't need to know what it's about to, like, really appreciate it. And like the whole, this whole set of five songs has like kind of pivoted around like the energy from Father Lonely because it's like it's really set th- like in a great way. Yeah. To me, it's like it's the, you know, when you make a collection of songs and like there's kind of like a certain energy that you feel like is the album in a way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then you're like, well, this one's faster. So this is like the fast song and this one's the ballad. Yeah. Like it's definitely like it is. It's the vibe. Bro, did you just say that out of everybody who did a confession, ours is the single? Because <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. That's kind of cold. That's kind of cold. No, 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 no. It's, it's not. It's just like it's, it's, it's teasing it, it captures you. all the energy. Um, can I play you some clips oh, yeah. of our process? Please. Sure. You don't have to necessarily use it, but oh, yeah, yeah. All right, here's some s- clips of how we... How we write on a night with a generous hospitality budget. (laughs) Which one is this? Uh, Play this one. Oh, this is going to be embarrassing. I hear it. I don't hear it. I hear it. I hear that. Oh my god, that was. Amazing. I hear you. Oh no. Like a uh, barbershop? Boom, boom. I don't know, but I'm totally waiting for you each time for the ball, ball. Like, I can't proceed without it. So, I think it's the um, sub bass. 
then I have another one, but do it. Okay, I don't know You've which. Let which the, is which? The cat out of the bag. It'd be like Father It's getting a little more developed. not funny but uh, yeah the point is it's supposed to get less and less <laughs> funny yeah and more song sounding do. <laughs> do y'all record do you guys record because um... <clears throat> y'all were sitting in there with a guitar in the hotel room right mm-hmm. uh-huh do you record a lot of like mumble? I call this oh, mumble tracks oh. yeah. with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I have some. We have. Ugh. Sometimes it's really awful. Yeah, I don't know. I like the mumble track thing. I've actually been trying to. Um, when I'm doing that, this is like a like a new thing for me. I've been trying to actually just write down the words that I'm mumbling mm-hmm. instead of just mumbling. Sometimes every, every once in a while, like, come, like a lyric comes out of it that's like, great. But yeah, sometimes I whistle. I found mumbling, yeah, inspires more creative shit than just whistling. But yeah, I yeah. can't actually even whistle, so I don't have that option. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> down and out do you remember the chorus yeah you want to do it a cappella real quick mm, no but <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> fine yeah i think i think we have a lot of great stuff cool bow 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 Song Confessional Podcast is produced by myself, Walker Lukens, Aaron Blackerby, Jim Eno, Rylan Kettery, Adam Mason, Mike Lee, and brought to you by KUTX.